with Steve Mathis. Welcome to the DMX Podcast Show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. With me on the line is a guy that uh, I've wanted to get on one of these for a long time, but I thought he was in Europe. Turns out he wasn't. Uh, that's not than Doug DeHaan. Dougie D, what's up, man? Well, Steve, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm back in Canada this yeah. year, and I'm actually back in one-year-old uh, in your neck of the woods in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah, I saw the uh, I saw the photo report, and uh, it was like DeHaan's at – He's he showed up at the Morton National. I'm like, what? Huh? And then you raced, and I'm like, what? And then someone gave me your number, and it was a 204 number, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? What's <laughs> happening to Doug DeHaan? Uh, what's going on these days with you, man? Uh, yeah, you know what? I heard Winnipeg was a great place this time of year, <laughs> and I uh, wanted to just uh, settle in here. But, uh, yeah. no, actually, the truth of it all is uh, I came back into Canada this winter, and um, I found out uh, one of my old team managers um, – from the Yamaha team in Canada, there's the national sales rep at Fox, mm-hmm. and uh, the new Fox Canada is opening up in Winnip- or, uh, Calgary now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I called them up and uh, you know inquired about a position as a sales rep, and and uh, yeah, they found me a spot here in Winnipeg. So just kind of settling into the new gig. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Winnipeg's all right now. The mosquitoes are bad. Uh, I'm gonna call you again in February and ask you how it's going. So. You know, I, I've only seen one mosquito, and um, that was, yeah, that was last week. And I, I don't know, I'm waiting for the mosquitoes to come because it's been a super wet year out here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no sign of them yet, so just, I don't know. Just you wait. Uh, been riding much at all? Have you, when's the last time you started Moto Down? I, I saw you raced a local race, but um, when's the last time you were, like, riding all the time? Um, last uh, October, I was getting ready for the Euro Supercross. So uh, oh, okay. I rode Walton. I rode Walton at the end of the summer last year, uh, the Vent Master, yep. and uh, that was kind of my break-in moto. Uh-huh. And then uh, I was training pretty hard for the next two months. And uh, last minute, my uh, my deal kind of fell through over there. Mm-hmm. Um, some cutbacks in the series and whatever else, and more U.S. riders than ever wanting to come over. So, yep. so you know, I had my my run over there and kind of got pushed out. So I, at that point, I just kind of packed it in. Is that for the uh, German Supercross series, or is that for something else? Yeah. Yeah, that was for yeah. the German Supercross series. Yeah, yeah, I was just talking to my buddy JT, Jason Thomas, about that. Um, the first round falls on Anaheim again, but uh, he's going to miss Anaheim to to do that series. So, and uh, I've I've hung out with you over there over the time or two, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good series. It's financially, it's pretty well worth it. Um, small tracks, some of the real small tracks, huh? <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, you know, the cool thing is, I mean, there's so many fast riders over there. It, on the smaller tracks, you're a little more competitive, you know, with the top guys like, you know, Ramsey and, you know, even Chad Reed was over there at one point. You yep. know, you see all kinds of these guys come through that series. Mm-hmm. But when you're on the smaller track, you're more competitive with them, you know. You put yep. them on a supercross track and those guys just work you. So so it's kind of cool that way. Everyone is close to racing all the way through the pack. Yeah, yeah, no no doubt about it. So um, to recap, you uh, at, at some point going over there, as many years as you did, you met a uh, Austrian or German girl. Uh, got married, had a kid, went over there to live. How long were you there living there? Um, I went over for the start of um, 2008. So I wow. was over there, yeah, probably in the fall of 07. 
Did you like? Um, did you like it living there? You know, there's a lot of cool things and a lot of tough things. You know, uh-huh. I, I had to learn the language, so just uh, every you know day to day stuff became a lot more difficult when yeah. you know you just take so many things for granted and then all of a sudden you know you just can't speak to everyone on the street you know so yeah, yeah. so it took me a while to learn the language and you know I had a I had a start into it because I raced so much over there but you know you kind of learn the same thing every year and then you forget it and right. then by the next time you get <laughs> over there you relearn it so so yeah it was it was a it was a tough uh transition but uh you know, I'm pretty thankful I did it. It was a great experience. And, yeah, and, and, and uh, German's a hard language, too. Like, Italian, you can figure it out a little bit. Spanish, you can figure it out. German, no way. Tough language. <laughs> right? That's what they say, man. It yeah. was a scramble. Um, also, too, living over there, it's tough, like, convenience-wise. Just not the same as old, good old North America. So. Oh, nothing, nothing's convenient. No. no. We're, we're spoiled over here for everything. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I know. I lived there for like three months. I was going to do the GPs like in 98 after that German Supercross series. And, uh, oh, I hated it. Oh, God. I could get into that. <laughs> but uh, it was cold, too. I, I seemed colder than Canada even. I don't know. <laughs> so, okay. So you're back here. You're, you're in Winnipeg. Um, plans to get a bike and start riding again and race locally? Yeah, absolutely. I'm yep. just kind of getting settled in here and learning the new job, of course. So mm-hmm. um, over the next uh, probably two months, I'm going to be really just kind of hardcore um, doing this Fox gig. And then uh, uh, hopefully when it slows down a little bit after the summer, I'm going to get a bike. And and then next year, for sure, I'll be planning on going to most of the local races around here and doing some provincial rides and yeah. whatever else. Yeah, Josh Penner, watch out. Doug DeHaan's <laughs> Penner's quick, man. He's, Dude, yeah, but you're... a tough competition, for sure. You're Doug DeHaan. <laughs> you're Doug DeHaan. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, a, I'm just kind of a weekend warrior now, Steve, you know? Um, uh, well, I, I mean, yeah, it should be interesting. I, I'll, I'll we'll keep in touch. I'll let you try to find out how you're doing there, and I, I'll read the photo reports and see how it goes. You know, um, Fox, I've got a lot of friends who have quit um, – uh, mechanicing industry stuff to become Fox reps. They all love it. Fox seems like a great company. It also seems as much recession free as you're going to get. It seems like those guys, although sales are down a bit, it seems like they're down less with Fox. So I think you've uh, got yourself a good company there, Dougie D. Yeah, well, I mean, the people that I'm working with are awesome. But just meeting all the people in the States and everything already. And mm-hmm. it's just so motocross based, right? Like yeah. they're the originators of motocross gear and, and that's what they hold true to, you know, as much mainstream as it goes, which it's really expanded over the last few years, of course, but, uh, right. but they, they hold true to the roots, you know, they're motocross and, and you know, that's what kind of what got me hired in that job in the first place was my motocross career paid off for me. Uh, you know, not many other companies look at that as a plus on your resume where Fox, looks at that and thinks, you know what, yeah. those are the kind of guys we want involved in our company. So, yeah. you know, when you're working with a bunch of people like that, it's like you, you can talk moto just but with anybody there, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a, it's a really cool scene. Yeah, you're going to be uh, putting some logging some wheels, some driving hours too. you got Saskatchewan, you got Thunder Bay. Yeah, Woo. yeah, yeah. I'm going to put in some miles, but you know what, that's nothing new for a, a motocrosser, so uh, right, right. I haven't done it in a while, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be back on the road. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And like I said, I'll call you in February. We'll see how those travels are going out to Regina and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's cool. It's uh, it's. I'm glad to uh, to see you back in in moto a little bit. You know, you kind of just you, seriously, uh, you you kind of just disappeared. Like, I was like, where's the Han? Did he quit? Is is he still racing? What's going on? You know. So. 
I was I was still involved in moto, you know, consistently when I was over in Europe too. I mean, yeah. I did have a I kind of I had a part time gig with KTM testing, which I was kind of hoping would turn into a full time gig, but right. it never did. Um, so that was that was kind of a little dream job there too. It was like yeah, all cool. the fun of riding without the stress of any kind of racing or competition. So it was just like go out and ride these wicked bikes and and uh, tell them what you think. So. Mm-hmm. So that was cool, and then of course, you know, I raced through, I kind of part timed it through the winter. So right, right, yeah. Um, hey, let's uh, let's go in the way back time machine here, and uh, and go back to to cover your career a little bit. Let's, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I remember you turned pro in '92, and I, I'm obviously I'm from Manitoba, you're from Ontario, but I remember reading about you or hearing about you and, and thinking, you know, this kid, this is going to be the next guy. Uh, um, you had a very successful amateur career, didn't you? I did, yeah. In a yep. short amount of time, um, 91 was really kind of a breakthrough year for me. I, mm-hmm. You know, I won out in Westlock that year, and then I went down to Ponca and finished third and uh, went over to Loretta's and had a top three going into the last moto when I kind of melted a stator in my 80. But mm-hmm. still, still top ten my classes there. So. Yeah, yeah. So that that was kind of a breakout year for me in amateur, and for sure it uh, kind of set me up, and I kind of jumped into pro really quickly after that. Yeah, did you? So ninety one was Alberta. Uh, so you skipped the intermediate class? Did you go right to pro? Yeah. So in ninety one, I rode the eighties and uh, one twenty five juniors, and then. Uh, it was pretty much if I hung back and rode intermediate, I've just been kind of racing against all the same guys. So right, I right. kind of skipped over the intermediate and turned pro. Yeah, so. yeah, that was uh, that's kind of unheard of. But I mean, you were fast. You, that was legit, you know. Um, how just how'd you do in those first nationals? I know you got a hilarious story about rollerball. Uh, <laughs> was it your first national? No, that was uh, that was my second year. Uh, oh, okay. One of the first nationals in my second year. All right, and well, uh, the track is pretty super crossy for sure. So uh, I think I had a little bit of an edge on rollerball, but uh, apparently he wasn't having it. <laughs> yeah, why don't you yeah. tell the story a little bit? Kind of funny. Well, yeah, um, Molson Park, very, really super cross, like pretty hairy track actually, triples all over the place. And uh, was leading rollerball until about two laps to go, coming by in front of the mechanics. There's kind of a sweeper and. Uh, yeah, he came in the inside, and I got totally rollerballed by him. And I got stuck in between his back wheel and his fender, and he didn't let off the whole time, so I was just chewed up. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was pretty aggressive. And, and then I think our mechanics got into it, and it was kind of a, a oh, whole scene. So. Good, good time. <laughs> second, second year kid. Just, uh, but, man, you were leading a Canadian national. Pretty, pretty yeah, good. yeah, it's cool. It was a, it was a perfect track for me at the time, and uh, and uh, you know I almost almost pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, just about. Um, do you remember uh, how did you do that first year in pro? Uh, how did you do in the Canadian Nationals? I I can't remember. I ended up uh, number nine. Number nine. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had some good rides, and you know, uh, quite a few DNFs. Mm-hmm. Um, was riding a uh, board out. RM250 in the 500 class that year because that's huh. when they, of course, half the series is 500. So, yeah, that's always an awesome um, combo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much guaranteed a DNF in the last mode of the day. That thing overheated pretty much, uh, yeah. you know, five minutes before the end of every second <laughs> moto. So. Um, so. Yeah, I would I would definitely, like, in the Canadian equivalent, like, you, you'd be the Canadian equivalent of, you know, like a Trey Kennard or, or a Ryan Dungey or whatever coming up through the amateur. Maybe not Dungey because nobody had hyped him up, but to me, you know, I knew about you for a while. Uh, I raced uh, 
uh, I was a, little, a couple years ahead of you, but you know, you were the hot shit, Dehan, for sure, coming in and, and and getting a ninth your first year. That's no slouch, you know. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely a cool time for me. It was mm-hmm. a little messed up how the series was. Uh, you know, I came in a lot of controversy in the series, the CMA and CMRC battling those years. Right. And you know, the CMA only lasted for ninety two, ninety three, and then it was kind of broken up, right, just yeah. for the West Coast uh, yep. a few rounds. So it was a little bit, it wasn't coming into the series at the best time, but mm-hmm. as far as coming out of the amateur ranks, I, I felt pretty good and, and had some good finishes. So. Uh, yeah, and, and in no way am I uh, comparing myself to you at all, but I was also turned pro in 92, and it was a real jacked-up time. I mean, you know, and that's one of the reasons why JSR headed south, I think, you know, if, if you talk to him now. Just the series was kind of a mess. It had lost its luster. CMA was on its way out. CMRC wasn't fully established. And a lot of guys like yourself and, and maybe JSR kind of kind of uh, didn't have anywhere to go, you know, for a while. It was like a four-race series, and then there was an East race. It was just a just a real, real bad time in Canadian moto, huh? It was, you know, and that kind of scattered us for a long time. Uh, you know, you'd come up and do a few races in Canada, but it wasn't really a series. You'd kind of hit all the, the majors, right? Montreal Supercross is always a major one or right. something. But you'd hit a couple nationals here, a couple nationals there, and then pretty much um, part-time it in the U.S. and the East Coast, whatever you could do, and a few of the nationals throughout the years. So, yeah, my, my focus was kind of broken up over those first few years, and I, I, I really was just kind of hitting selected random races. And then, of course, once I got on a team, it was just up to them, whatever they wanted to do. So, right, right. Um, yeah, it was kind of hard to focus on a series back then. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, 92, 93, 94, you're all, you're racing pro. Uh, best result at a, at a Canadian National? My best result at a Canadian National? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Back in those days, yeah, yeah, you, I, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, you won some motos, didn't you? You know, I'm, I'm sure I did. Yeah, I'm sure I did. I don't think I won any overalls, but I think I busted out a moto here or there. Yeah, I don't remember um, you winning any overalls either. I could be wrong, but if I, ra- I rack my brain before this podcast, and I think you run some motos here and there. In '94, I definitely did. Yeah, um, I can't say if, I don't think I did. Um, well, I know I didn't in 92 or anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe 93 I might have got a moto win here or there or something. Yeah. But you know what? Those those years really blend together. <laughs> you know, uh, need to uh, need to call Galdi or something on that one. He He's a stats machine. Right. So. <laughs> uh, but really, you, you recognize early on you started to head down to the south, head down to the states, huh? Well, my, my intentions all along, you know, like racing amateur and just seeing the amateur scene down there. And we raced in Michigan a lot, being only like an hour away from the border. So my, my focus always, I always wanted to race in the States, and, mm-hmm. and I love Supercross. So that was kind of always, uh, you know, the dream I had was to, to ride down there. Right, right. Um, not so much, just also it had an effect on me coming into the Canadian scene and having it so, uh, you know, like I got fined at a race for racing CMRC one time. You know, so it just kind of gets you uh, kind of... Right you know, not so into the Canadian scene, and you think, okay, you know what, U.S. is where it's at, but right. it's uh, it's tough down there, right? You're just another guy in the pack, and it's really hard to get support for that. So Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. Um, you got fined by the CMR, by, who'd you get fined by? By the CMA? Yeah, we got we got all fined by the CMA. We wrote a, we wrote a Quebec Supercross that was CMC or CMRC licensed, right. and uh, so after that, we all got fined. Uh, pretty hefty fine for, you know, being a privateer just struggling along yeah, yeah, so yeah. 
So that that kind of bummed it, you know, bummed us out pretty bad, and we're just like, you know what, yeah. this Canadian scene just isn't right right now. So let's, yeah. you know, try to focus on the states a little bit more. Uh, and then, uh, what kind of support were you getting from Suzuki, like in those in those years? What uh, were you getting uh, a lot of help? Um, you know, they give us some bikes to, uh, you know, of course we give them back at the end of the year, and we got a, a parts, um, a little bit of a parts discount or budget. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, it was. At the time, it was uh, it was a huge, obviously a huge help, and right. one of the only reasons that we could really keep going. Yeah, yeah. So all the uh, all the money, the only money you made was purse money and gear and whatever gear. If you could. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't get money from any sponsor, outside right. sponsor, or anything or any gear sponsor. Right. It was it was just uh, basically bikes, parts, kind of thing. Lean times in Canadian moto. <laughs> lean times. It was, it was lean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when you and you just came back from. Uh, the Morden CMRC National, and uh, well, near the end of your career, they started getting you started getting the semi trucks and that kind of stuff. But where was this stuff early on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have been nice, you know. I mean, I know it's lean times right now too, but yeah. you know, the the scene is uh, a whole lot bigger than it was back then. So. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's let's switch gears a little bit. What do you think of Morden? Man, I, what can you say? Canadian talent, you know, yeah. like it's everywhere. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good Canadian riders, and and you know, Canary and Tamer and those guys are those guys haul ass too, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, and our Canadian guys are are pretty much cleaning up, and uh, in both classes, you know. So yeah, yeah, it's it's cool, you know. It was a mud race, so it's always kind of a little bit tougher to watch, you know. You don't right. a lot of guys get lost in the, in the chaos, but. But still, I, I was out of Calgary too, and it's just like, man, those guys are consistently going really fast and looking good. Uh, and you're a, you were a mechanic? <laughs> Did I read that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Derek Schuster with his uh, with his um, support team there um, for the Suzuki guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was short. He was short a mechanic this weekend for Topher Ingles. So, so I got to make my mechanic debut, and and uh, Topher's a good kid. They really rides really hard and fast, and. Uh, and it was fun, man. It brought me back. It felt like I was on the starting line, man. When we were up there <laughs> picking our gate and stuff, oh, it just brought me back. I was just yeah, like, yeah. felt like I was back in the moment. <laughs> yeah, really, huh? Um, uh, does, is it, does, I don't know how closely you followed the Canadian scene when you were uh, living there in, in Schnitzel land, but uh, does, it, does, it, does it get you going when you start thinking about the, the Canadians and how you know they kind of don't race anymore down south and doesn't happen too much? And, and guys like yourself that – you know, spent a lot of money and took some risks. Uh, it's just not out there for whatever reason, for a variety of reasons. Yeah, you know, I wish they did because, um, you know, that gave something to Canadian fans through the long Canadian winter, you know, to kind of follow. And it's always better when you're watching, you know, it's great watching the U.S. top international guys racing down there, but it's always good to have uh, some country guy, countrymen to root for, you know. So I think that's definitely the sport's missing that here in Canada. And I know talking to a lot of people just over the last, you know, two weekends, mm-hmm. um, it's brought up all the time, right? They're like, why, yeah. why can't we see one of those guys? You know, like yeah. we got talented kids up here. You know, they they should be down there riding. And uh, you know, I understand it's tough. You know, you're going down there. Canadian sponsors don't want to support you so much. They know they kind of have to support you throughout the year to keep you going. Right. But then when you're going down there and tearing up all their stuff, it's it's a little bit stressful for them too so mm-hmm. um yeah it's, it's too bad though i'd like to see it i'd like to see it yeah i see both sides of it i see the team side and then i see the rider side of it you know i understand the team's not not uh, supporting the guys because they, they get their money for canadian championships but on the other hand 
where is the JSRs that loaded up in the pickup truck? Where's the Doug DeHans, the rollerballs? You know what I mean? Um, it's just I, I like to see that too. The Medaglia is always lined up. I like that. Um, obviously, Tyler's on Blackfoot now, and they, they found on that sort of thing. But um, I just I wish more Canadians would do it. I think Fasciati, he's a legit, legit talent down south. Would you agree? I would totally agree. Yeah. You know, uh, legit talent down there, you know, you're still lucky to crack the top ten, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, get, yeah. you know how it is, right? But the talent between 10th and 20th is is insane, too. So, um, But, you know, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Colton get some confidence. If he got a little confidence down there, mm-hmm. the way that guy rides, like, yeah. it would be it would be impressive to see. Yeah, I agree. It, 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 it'd be nice. And I guess for him, too, like he kind of decides that he needs to decide if he wants to be a small fish in a big pond or the big fish in a small pond. I mean, if he heads down south, if he tells Blackfoot, "Hey, I'm I'm trying this. Um, I'll see you later." If he heads down south, it's going to cost him a lot of money. It's going to be tough. It's going to be um, lots of work. And you know who can blame him if he says, "You know what? I'll take my I don't know. What do you think? He makes one hundred fifty thousand a year. You think he might make that much? I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope he does. <laughs> so does he take that 150000 a year and just be like, no, nah, this is this is a nice little nest egg I can make. So I really do see both sides. So I, I totally do, too. Like, of course, me staying in Canada those last few years um, mm-hmm. wasn't as lucrative as Colton possibly, you know, right. obviously right now. Um, but I, I kind of traded that in, too, to go to, down there and, and chance it out in the States. Yep. And it's always something, like, to be on a supported team. You know, I got on with the Butler brothers down there. Yep. So to, to be on a full supported team for the U.S., it was just like an opportunity I couldn't pass on, you know, mm-hmm. even though financially it really wasn't a financial decision, like, for the better for me. Right, was, right, right. I, wasn't, I wasn't making huge money, you know, cracking top 20s down there in national motos and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? To go there with a supported team, uh, paid way to the race, and just go out there and perform, you know, as much as you could. And uh, it was definitely a dream come true for me. So, uh, yeah. you know, I yeah. took it. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just something you got to ask yourself as a rider, and you asked yourself that. And like you said, it maybe wasn't the smartest financial thing, but you decided to do it. And I guess – Maybe he's at that crossroads, you know, where he has to ask himself that question. I don't know. Um, I've always thought, like, the guys uh, like yourself and and, uh, and Jason Fernet, another guy that uh, just – for well, some politics got involved, but he just concentrated on U.S. And, I mean, by the end of his U.S. thing, he was broke. But he had a lot of memories <laughs> and a lot of good races. So, yeah, I don't know. Interesting yeah, the, topic. The important thing for me was finding my European uh, niche over there, you know, like mm-hmm. – uh, you know how JT does it too. You know, October, November into you know early January or something. You can go over there and it's a full schedule, um, good money. So that kind of sets you up. And then into the Supercross, you can make decent money if you're qualifying and everything. And then yeah. you kind of just uh, you kind of go broke over the summer racing outdoors. But when it when it comes back around to Europe time, you know mm-hmm. you know you're ready to go again. So yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nice little existence that you had made yourself for a few years sort of under the radar, huh? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I kind of wasn't always in the spotlight by any means, but, uh, yeah. you know, I kept um, a professional career going for a long time. So yeah, I think uh, I, mean, I think I had a good run of it that way. And, uh, you know, obviously didn't get the championships and stuff maybe that I wanted. But uh, on the other hand, um, you know, I had a great experience, and I'm not, uh, I'm not going to have any regrets over it. Yeah, what uh, what was your your your, uh, your most financially 
rewarding year? Do you think? Do, do, do you have one that was that stands out, like where you just killed it? Um, well, early two thousands, anywhere from uh, you know ninety nine to uh, two thousand and three, were they were good for me in Canada. You know, mm-hmm. uh, two wheel motorsports uh, in ninety nine. Yep. Um, we did Blair, um, myself, and Darcy. We dominated all year long. And uh, so that was that was a great start to it. And uh, then 2000 Blackfoot, you know, came on the scene with with uh, quite a bit of money to throw around a little bit. So mm-hmm. so those two years were pretty good. But then I got injured, and I, I went in really hardcore just to racing uh, Europe the next couple of years. And I finished second in that series over there twice, uh, once to Casey Johnson and uh, once to uh, – well, skip my mind right now. But mm-hmm. those, those were actually were some of my best years ever, racing over there, winning a lot of races. And uh, financially, those were definitely my uh, my money years. You uh, you just missed out on the Porsche. Were they doing the Porsche back then? Or they were doing the Porsche. I, I got some kind of uh, dune buggy kind of thing, or um, <laughs> option was pick cash. So uh, of course, I cash. I opted for the cash. <laughs> yeah, the year that I did this series when I was living there, the the, the prize was a Porsche. And, uh, and I think the winner took it. It's a guy from Finland. I forget his name now, but I think he took it. Yeah, Kovalainen. Kovalainen. Yeah, Marco yeah, Kovalainen. I, actually, yeah, that's, I don't, he, he's got two of those Porsches, and I guess he still owns one. I hear he rips it around still. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, okay, all right. Still got the Porsche then. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so, okay, what was, your, what was the best you, uh, you ever did in a U.S. Supercross in 125 class? Uh, sixth place in St. Louis in 97. Yep. Uh, that year actually was my best year overall in 125 Supercross. I had probably four top tens that year. 97. Were you on a Honda? I was on a, I was on a Suzuki, a Morgan Racing Suzuki. Yeah, Those exactly. guys actually supported us to do the East Coast that year. And, uh, I think your buddy Timmy won the title that year, didn't he? 97. Yeah, he won the title. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Carmichael, Dowd, Roncada, Ferry. So yeah, so six places is, is no... No joke. Um, what number were you? I'm trying to picture you that year. I was uh, I was three digit. I was two oh four. Oh okay. I was working for Birdwell, Ty Birdwell. Oh okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. So yeah. So that's pretty decent. And did you ever? Uh, what about in the points? How'd you do in the points that year? Uh, I think I was thirteenth uh, mm-hmm. in the points. Yeah. Solid. Just too bad. Too yeah. bad. Too bad. The, the purse money for one time super crosses never really that good. <laughs> no, it wasn't good at no, all. No, no. And uh, your best finish, top ten. Uh, you got tenth in Toronto at the World Supercross round, huh? Uh, yep. Yeah. I've got two top tens in the World Supercross. Uh, mm-hmm. Once in Toronto there, uh, the first year it came up, and then once in Holland. Yeah. And, uh, uh, oh, dude, remember Holland? Remember how soft that track was? Yeah, I like it though. I, I got <laughs> ruts. Uh, <laughs> ruts are my thing. So it was oh, good. Uh, yeah. No wonder why you did good in Germany then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. those tracks are all like that how about that one place um i forget the name it literally was 28 seconds lap times yes i mean some of them get pretty bad dude <laughs> it was ridiculous i'm like are they serious right now are they serious with this track and uh and yeah just soft dirt soft soft dirt um good times it, you know where it was it was uh up where the ships come in from like finland and sweden Oh yeah, yeah, Kiel, Kiel, Kiel Germany. That was always yeah. yeah. They made that place with, uh, with uh, yeah, just slop right yeah. from the, the beach or something. Yeah, that was that was the place. I was just like, what is going on here with uh, with the with these lap times? <laughs> um, so uh, come back from from Europe. You start riding for Blackfoot, uh, and you, you at one point you you start riding for was it was it Blair Morgan, or did you just get Yamaha support? 
Um, Blair Morgan's racing team was 2004. Yeah. And, uh, that was, that was a really cool year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with Blair and, uh, his snow cross team management doing most of it, Mm -hmm. um, it was really, we decided kind of what races we wanted to do. So we went down to the States with his, with his rig and everything. And, and, uh, we raced the Canadian series all year long and, Mm -hmm. uh, it it was an amazing time. That was a great great place to be a lot of fun every weekend i just remember that year being just really an enjoyable year right right and um then it kind of transferred into just a straight uh yamaha um factory supported team in canada the Uh following year yeah and um and that's where my current uh boss my national sales manager uh that's where i met yari heinemann he was the manager of the team that year yeah he was running it that year um best canadian year that you had do you think out of all the ones that you, that you did, is there one that stands out? Canadian well, Nationals? you pretty much have to go with 99 because yeah. I was just narrowly out of the championship in the 250 class. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was really three points. Blair got me by three points that year. Oh, okay. And, yeah. uh, and then the 125 class, he got me by a few more points in that class. But it was still, um, we traded Moto wins all the time. And, um, yep. yeah, so I think 99 was by far my, my most solid year. Uh, favorite Canadian track? Um, Lethbridge at times was. What? Uh, really? Yeah, I kind of like Lethbridge. Okay. When the conditions are right. But, uh, Walton's always a favorite, even though, uh, I was kind of cursed there for a while until recent years. But, yep. um, yeah, I would say those two are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Definitely right up there. Uh, and then actually, you know what? Alverton. I got to go with Alverton in Quebec. That track's amazing, yeah. I think. What about Antler Lake? Really. That's a pretty bitchin' track. Antler Lake? Nah, I was more a sand track kind of guy. I was more uh, leaning towards the, okay. the sandier tracks out in, out in Quebec. Had right. some great tracks. And, I noticed um, you didn't say any Manitoba tracks, so, and that's where you're living right now, so good luck with that. <laughs> well, you know, Grunthal. <laughs> Grunthal's a pretty cool track. I like the dirt and stuff. I, I had my, one of my worst injuries ever, actually, at that track in the first corner when I, I fell down in the first corner and got plowed into the back, my back, and... Uh, mm-hmm. And broke out a bunch of teeth and everything. So I don't have I don't have the fondest memories of that track. But you know what? It's a great track. It's cool. The dirt's perfect, and and they get a, actually a good turnout. So. Yeah. What what uh what kind of bike are you gonna buy? Do you have a your eye on anything? What what do you want? What do you want to do? Um, you know I'm always comfortable with a Honda. Yeah. It'll probably be a Honda Cali or Yami, most okay. likely. Way to narrow yeah. it down there, Doug. <laughs> Way in there, Dan. It's got to be a Japanese bike. It's not going to be a Suzuki because I always have one little issue with a Suzuki, probably. So. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's got to be a Honda Cowie, probably. Best uh, best result at a U.S. national. Remember? Um, a thirteenth in a moto. I forget what it set me up for overall. I think around fifteenth or so yeah, overall. Where's that? Where was that at? Um, Troy, Ohio. Um, Shocker. Supercross. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Uh, Troy, Ohio, probably back in 96, 97 or mm-hmm. something. Um, did you ever go to Disney Nations at all? I did. I went uh, twice. You did? Okay, what years? I went in 2000. I went to St. John d'Angeli in France, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a pretty uh, ghetto setup we had that year. Yep. So um, it didn't go so well, but it was an amazing experience. And then I went in 2005. Um, we went to Ernie, France, and that was yeah, it was amazing. We we did well. We finished 17th that year. Right. But uh, it was a great, great venue and great track, and did yeah, you, it was it was a great experience. Did you go with Fernet in 2000? 
No, Fournette um, was he the went, year after. I think I went with year, uh, yeah. Jason Thorne and Darcy Mosh. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and how was that? That was uh, just the setup was when you say ghetto, you just the setup and the the accommodations and all that, the bikes? Yeah, I don't think I ever made it to a practice. My bike seized every time. Mm-hmm. And then I got put on a 99CR125 <laughs> that year. Yeah. Um, I rolled up to the line, you know, it's 2000. All the bikes are, you know, totally changed frame, totally new look, right. and I roll up with a year-old bike. So, so it's pretty <laughs> depressing rolling up to the line, seeing all these factory bikes, and oh, I've got a, a year-old beater. What do we got to do to fix this destinations thing, that we, this problem that we have as a country? Yeah, I don't. Well, I, don't I think know. we got to step says, it up and selling T-shirts. You know, for I don't know exactly how they go about raising money, but right, uh, right. I think it's got to be more than just T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, uh, but how? Right? I guess that's the magic question. Who? Who? Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. Pays and how does it work? And I, I mean, a team of uh, you know, we would have had Dean Wilson had we had a decent setup, and we have Fasciati, Clatt, and Wilson, and dude, that's a pretty good team. That would be amazing to see. And you know what? I, I hope that this, you know, the, the nation's being closer again last year, and I hope it's built up a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more hype here in Canada and people right. realize, like, what a cool event it is. Because, you know, honestly, I mean, you got to admit, too, Steve, this place is just going off, and it's amazing. That, it's an amazing vibe to that day when you're there, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know for sure. I've been to uh, four of them, one as a mechanic, and I think three or four as a spectator. So. Uh, yeah, it's something else, you know, no doubt about it. It's it's super. But I'd cool. I'd love to see that team if if we could put that team together. <laughs> yeah, well, Wilson gave up. He's now he's now a member of Scotland. He, <laughs> yeah, he, too he, late. He couldn't stick around long enough um, for for it, you know. So, uh, any regrets, Dougie D? Any any uh, any decisions you made in your career that you, you know you'd like to have back? Looking back on it. Well, you know, I see like a lot of kids now. Um, well, even like uh, just looking at Cole Thompson's career and the way he hung back in the states, and he's getting he's getting his support down there, and he's going to go after his championships down there. So, mm-hmm. I think if I started off, um, if I could have waited back a little bit more in amateur, right. you know, maybe not gone to pro quite so quickly, and really tried to uh, tried to get a little more support before I jumped into the professional racing. Yeah. Um, I think that would have helped me along because I was making huge progress at that point, you know, mm-hmm. until I was 14. And then once I hit 15, you know, it, it really did set me back for a little while. So I think why I just should have rode that wave of uh, progression, you know, in the mm-hmm. amateur ranks maybe a little bit longer. Right. But you know what? It developed into a whole other career because of that decision. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm not really regretting it. I just look back at it and I think, yeah, maybe if I did this differently. Right. Um, it could have turned out. Different. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you're if you're top three at Loretta's, like you said you were before you, uh, you know, before you melted down or whatever, if you know if you're a top three guy at Loretta's, even back in your day in those early '90s, the support was there. If you would have just stuck it out down south, you know, it was, and I was just starting to get recognized by those guys too. Like I was starting to get a little bit of Suzuki support back then, and right, right. you know, all the guys knew me, and and if I think I just would have worked on that just a little bit longer and not. Uh, I kind of got so gung-ho and jumped into pro right away. Um, I think, you know, coming into the scene with support makes a huge difference as coming in as a privateer and just, you know, doing it all yourself. Well, dude, I mean, so you turned pro when you were 15, 16? 
I turned pro when I was 15 in Canada, but right. once I was Canadian, uh, you know, a pro in Canada, I couldn't ride um, those classes right. in the states anymore. Well, my point is, is you're 15 years old, and and you know, you're not the biggest guy. You were pretty small back then. You're still not a you know a, a massive guy, and you're racing against a dude like Rollerball, <laughs> who literally <laughs> is like three of you. You know what I mean? In, in, uh, in the 500 class. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh, if if just from an outsider's point of view, I probably could have stood on the fence, looked at you and been like, what is that dude doing? You know, like he's not physically mature. You know, sure, he's fast, but, you know, just like you said, just wait it out a little while longer, grow up a little bit, and, and make your debut. So, uh, right. yeah. You, you know, another thing back then, of course, we did the four motos. You know, they're 25 minutes plus two laps. Yeah. So a little bit shortened from nowadays. But, it, you know, it's still – you know, four motos plus your practices and everything in the morning. And I don't care, you know, at 15, you're just not strong enough to, yeah. uh, to keep up with growing men that have been doing it for years and years, you know? So, you know, it, it kind of beat me down that year, that, that summer, I remember just like going through that summer and you kind of <laughs> realize just, that you know, it's a grueling, grueling summer and it really kind of demotivates you a little bit and kind of sets you back and, and, you know, I think it was just a, a pretty tough thing to do at 15, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and you know, you, you, you go from, you know, you're, you're a top guy winning all the time, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you're getting beat. Now, granted, these dudes are 30, 25 years old, but still, you're getting beat a lot, and you're like, hey, this sucks, you know? <clears throat> so, I don't know. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's a big regret, huh? Just uh, wish you would have stuck it out a little while longer. Yeah, you know, just looking back at it, if yep. I could have made a smarter decision, that would be it. Right, right, right. Yeah, interesting. Uh, um, um, it's nice to to to, uh, to look back on that and realize that you know some guys I ask that question to and they're like they're like uh, uh, no I got no no regrets no everything's perfect you know but yeah like you said um, uh, so what uh, what's your opinion of the Nationals right now of CMRC the way it's run the way things are going um, what would you like to see them do differently what's real good about them what's real bad uh, what's sort of your opinions you've been I mean, you've raced all over the world. You've uh, uh, raced Canadian Nationals when they were really lame and when they were really good, which I would say, to me, the high, the, the high point of Canadian Nationals was the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, uh, what do you think? What's your opinion on that? Well, I think I think they need to really work on their, their marketing. Well, like, um, just the... Just to uh, inform the people, like in Winnipeg here, there should be weeks and weeks of pre-race hype going on. I think uh, within like the younger crowd, you know, like in all the skate shops, whether it be schools, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe uh, we were even talking to some guys this weekend, maybe like, uh, you know, doing some little things with schools around the area before the the weekend or something to get, uh, you know, bring, Mm -hmm. uh, bring a race bike out and then. It doesn't have to be Tyler Medaglia. It could be anyone else, you know, another top pro, and the kids don't care, right? But right. I think they just need to build, work on building a little hype before the, the event and hopefully draw a bigger crowd. Um, as far as the talent, like I said, there's tons yeah. of talent out there. I think, uh, think Stolly Brass and CMRC, I think those guys are doing a good job. Uh, I don't know of anything that I would say, oh, you got to change this or that. But mm-hmm. I really think just uh, I think bringing more people into it and trying to uh, – Get the pre-race hype a little bit better, and you know, before Calgary. I mean, Calgary is right in the middle of the city. You know, it's it should be there should be hundreds of more people there, I think, uh, than there ever are. So I don't know. I think that's where they got to work on. Um, yeah, well, that's that's uh, it's good. 
I think I think I think you I think uh, I'd agree with you on that. Um, sometimes it seems like the people don't know the race is even going on. You know. Um, well, you know, like when it, all of a sudden you announce it two days before, um, you know, people have already made their plans. Whatever you know, I think I think they just need to work on that, um, getting the knowledge out there yeah, that there is even a race, right? Right. And uh, yeah. you know, morning shows. You know what they do in the states before the Supercross? They always have yeah. a morning show, breakfast television. You know, all that stuff they could be hitting up. So. Did you ever do any of those for the U.S.? I did, yeah. We got up at like yeah. five in the morning oh, and yeah. got to do uh, a couple laps on the track and just hit the triple first lap, you know. Kind yeah, of nothing, nothing like being uh, five in the morning and jumping a triple. I know. <laughs> just... Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's it was like an out of body experience, really. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, best race <laughs> for you? Like, is there one race that stands out uh, as your best? Uh, you, what day that you were really on it? A day that uh, you know you look back on it and smile. Um, either you, one you won or one you didn't win. Even uh, is there one race at all or a couple races that stand out? Um. Definitely a couple cool races and a lot of supercrosses. Like even that, I was talking to you briefly the other day about that one in Vegas. It was uh, the first time for it to be on pay-per-view, so I had a lot of fans back in Canada watching and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the one where I put the last lap moves on Grayson Goodman to get in the main, and then I finished like 11th in the main. So, um, you know, th- that was just a cool experience mm-hmm. because finally all the my friends and stuff back in Canada got to watch me in a supercross. Yeah, live. They, yeah, and uh, they maybe didn't believe you what you what you did all these years. <laughs> exactly. Look, guys, I'm not. Yeah. I haven't been <laughs> making stuff up. <laughs> but uh, definitely a couple of races over in Germany, uh, Stuttgart Supercross. Um, sometimes I just kind of own that place. I don't know, like right from the get go, and uh, that was always a good feeling. <laughs> King of Stuttgart, so, Doug Doug Dehan. It was always. I don't know. I did it two years, yeah. two years in a row. I had uh, just right. uh, wrapped that, wrapped that whole night up. So that, that was fun, you know. What about the after party at Dortmund? I remember those a couple, couple of those. Yeah, yeah, they're always, uh, they're always pretty fun too. Makes uh, it a lot more fun when you win. Yeah, yeah, no, I really, I, I remember. And the chainsaws without the blades on them and stuff. Uh, did you ever, did you, did you ever do Bercy? Uh yeah, Bercy twice. Twice, one twenty five class or, or big, big class. Uh, 125 class. Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you think of that place? Uh, pretty amazing. The yeah. track was really cool and tons of great riders and stuff. Uh, yep. I was actually – I was one of the last guys on a 125 there, I think, the, the last time I did it. Oh, really? So, yeah. Tunnels, yeah. wide open down the tunnels. Always fun. Wide open down the tunnels on a CR125, just screaming <laughs> that thing. <laughs> um, uh, is, was there a guy that you always admire, a uh, rider, um, down in the States or even in Canada? Was there somebody that you um, – Always looked up to, or somebody that left you left you in awe uh, when you're out there on the track. Well, a guy that I definitely was buddies with, and then I just, you know, over the years ended up looking up to him more than anything was uh, my bud Nate Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met down. We actually turned pro on the same weekend in Gainesville National, and we lived together in the same trailer park down there in Florida. And yep. I go up to his house in Tennessee, so. He was just, uh, you know, a B rider when I met him. He was just a buddy, yep. rode all the time. And uh, but that guy, that guy's work ethic over the years, and yep. uh, just the way he handled himself year in year out, mm-hmm. uh, definitely has my admiration for sure, without a doubt. Uh, yes, talk about a guy who's self-made, Nathan Ramsey. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know what? He was older. He was way older than all of us, and you know, like. Not way older. I'd say four years older than mm-hmm. us. And you know, like at that point, is huge. You know, you're you know you're 18 or something. All these guys you're you're riding with are 15 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 
so at the time, you know, he's like, am I too late for this? His parents always felt that way too. And he's, you know, he's got a great family and just support. And man, that guy just kept plugging away and just turned it around. Like right, right. he turned, he came in late and finished really, really high up there. So yeah, there, there, cool. there's a lot of guys who have a story about, I used to beat Nathan Ramsey who never ended up doing anything in the, in the sport. Uh, but he just kept trucking along, soldiering along and, uh, you know, yeah, he, he self-made himself into a Honda factory rider, won a Supercross, won a, a 125 West title. So, um, yeah, probably a good guy to look up to, I would say. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, <clears throat> right on. Well, hey, um, thanks for doing this, bud. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks, Steve. I, I, yeah. I thanks, and uh, any 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 tips or anything for living in the peg are always welcome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah well, actually, you know, we got a hockey team up here now. Oh, I know, dude. You, have you heard of the Jets before? <laughs> Dude, it was so weird the other day. I got read the Winnipeg Free Press, you know, online. And uh, I clicked on it the other day, and it said Jets offer Ladd contract or something. They made Andrew Ladd a qualify. It, it just, I yeah. just stared at the headline, Jets make. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they're, they're really back. Like, the Jets. <laughs> I imagine yeah. everybody's going just ape shit uh, up there right now oh yeah yeah i i drove through a rally uh, a couple weeks ago when they announced they're getting the team back of course they didn't know it was the jets yet but right, right. all down the sidewalk all these uh, jets jerseys <laughs> just people waving flags it was it was pretty cool man it was yeah it was a lot of, no I'm, uh, I'm i'm a big hockey guy I, I love it i love the leafs so um you know the, the jets aren't, aren't there but i'm super pumped for for the peg you actually we talked the other day you live 10 minutes from my mom, probably, if that. Um, uh, so that's that's kind of cool. Maybe next time I'm in town, I'll give you a call if you're around, or we can go shoot the shit or something. Um, well, yeah, I'm kind of missing some home cooking right now, so maybe I'll just, yeah, uh, just I'll track her down and hit her up one night for knock a on home the door. meal. Or her name's Debbie. She, she's a hell of a cook. <laughs> Look at me. She's a hell of a cook, dude. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can imagine uh, it's just uh, bizarre seeing the Jets come back. But, I mean, but is it the Jets, you know? Because Phoenix, they're the Jets. They have all the records. You know, all the stats, the retired jerseys. So I'm a little mixed on it. Like, I wish they would have, you know, because it's not the Jets' history. So I don't know. Whatever. Beggars can't be choosers, I guess. Um, yeah, we're just we're just happy to have a team. You know, I, I thought about, uh, seriously considered those season tickets, but I guess they sold out in, yeah. like, four minutes, and then it just took, like, ten minutes to process it all. So yep. I realized I didn't have a chance anyway, <laughs> so I just saved myself a uh, lot of money. Yeah, you did. Plus, you don't know what your traveling schedule is like. You don't know how much you can go or commit to or probably, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, it's a cool arena for sure. You pop- Have you raced in it? They had a few arena crosses there. I don't know if you ever made it out there, but. Uh, no, I did one up in Selkirk, but I've never been in, in the MTS Center. You went to Selkirk for arena cross? <laughs> I did. Uh, on our way out to Blackfoot. Actually, the year that I got held, uh, hired on by Blackfoot, we had a arena cross on the way out to Calgary, and that was oh, it. Oh, shit. I don't even remember that. Um, right on. Yeah, good times. Doug at the Hawn in Winnipeg. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, great, man. Well, hey, thanks for doing this DMX podcast. I appreciate it. I'm glad everybody can get caught up in, uh, in what you're doing and what's going on with you. I always felt like uh, – because you were in the U.S., maybe you were never thought of um, as highly as a, of a Canadian rider. You know what I mean? Just because you did a lot of races in the U.S. and you sort of disappeared there. Um, but, yeah, whatever. Still solid, yeah. solid results. So. Well, yeah, it was an interesting career, Stephen. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was good chatting with you. Cool, man. Right on. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, man. All right. See you. See you.